How do you get through suffering without becoming angry or stubborn in your heart? We're all going to face trials and struggles, right? And the longer I'm here, I look around, I know a lot of you, all of us have stuff that we're going through. And suffering can push us uh, sometimes to deeper trust in God. But sometimes it can push us to stubbornness and hurt and hardness. And, and this is a struggle. There's a, there's a tension when it comes to suffering. Because... I don't know about you, it's hard for me to really trust God and submit to God's will for my life on a good day. You know what I'm saying? There's something in me that just resists the idea of having to be told what to do. And I think there might be something in some of you like that. It's hard to humble yourself and, and say, I want God's will to be done, and then follow through with whatever God's will is. But suffering, when you're hurting and it keeps going for a long time, it can make it even harder sometimes. And I believe there comes a moment when you're struggling where you're given a stark choice. I believe there comes a moment like maybe you're trying to trust God, you're trying to trust God, you're trying to trust God, but in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficulty, I believe that we have a moment, maybe a series of moments, but oftentimes there is a big moment where we have to decide, will I even trust God now? And we don't want to. And what we do in those moments, I think, can radically alter our lives. You know people, right? You know people who've gone through cancer, who've gone through divorce, who've gone through extreme difficulty, and they have deep joy. And they have, right, These, this steadfastness of spirit. And we're inspired by that. And I want to be like that. But also we know people who, the hurt, takes them down, and they're never the same. I don't want to be like that. We're going to look for the next three weeks at one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. An old guy named Naaman, the Syrian. Do you all know Naaman? He's the guy that had leprosy and has to go down and bathe seven times. You may have remembered this from... This is in the greatest hits of Bible stories requested at night in the Carruth household. So over the last few years, I mean, we've a lot of nights. Hey, do Naaman. Because it's a cool story. But we're going to look at the story, and we're going to look at the rest of the story. We're going to be camped out here for three weeks. So if you don't know the story of Naaman, you, you will. Keep coming back, and you'll know the story, okay? But Naaman and some of the other characters in this drama have a ton to offer us when it comes to being the kind of people who are truly set free in our hearts, who can get through whatever life throws at us. 
So I want to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of God's holy word. We're not reading the whole chapter today, just part of it. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Hear God's word. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See, he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me. And he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned off and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Anybody remember that story? Some of you? Naaman is not a bad guy. Naaman's a good guy. In fact, Naaman, he's a foreigner, he's a Syrian, so he's not from the nation of Israel. He is commander of the king's army. So he is a great man, a great leader. And did you notice that the Arameans, this enemy kingdom of Israel, they had defeated Israel in battle because the Lord, Yahweh, had blessed Naaman. 
God wanted to judge Israel and let them loose. And so, Naaman was actually used by God. So even before all of this, he's a good guy. He's highly regarded by the king, and I think he's well-respected by those under him. He's a valiant soldier. But he has leprosy. Do you know what leprosy is? Leprosy is this dreaded, terrible illness. Uh, and, and It's kind of like cancer. For, for us, I mean, we don't see much leprosy in our world anymore, thank God. But it's just, just terrible illness. And in fact, cancer might not be a good illustration. It's a lot more like HIV or AIDS because of the stigma. Especially when I was growing up, you know, when there was just fear. There was lots of fear of leprosy. If you had leprosy, you couldn't get cured. It was really bad and and you were cut off from family and friends. People were terrified of you. So you were, you were a social pariah. You were an outcast. And here is Naaman. And I don't know. This is all we know about him. Like, we don't have the rest of the story. But my question is, how long did he have it? Like, was he having to put the armor on? Did he kind of keep the armor on on top of it so he could cover up and people wouldn't know? But leprosy comes with it a bunch of shame. A bunch of feeling low. And one of the things that's to Naaman's credit is Naaman humbles himself. In fact, Naaman has to humble himself a lot. He's got shame and humiliation because he's got this disease. And he's an important person. And yet he's got this low-life, gross, despicable disease. Is that the second train this morning during worship? Man, they're coming... The economy's going, that's good, amen, Lord, keep it going. All right, so, sorry. He humbles himself. Think about how many times Naaman has to humble himself. First off, he has to listen to his wife's servant. I almost said he has to listen to his wife. That, was, that would not have been good. He listens to his wife's servant. Did you catch this? Naaman is the commander of an enemy nation from Israel, they defeat the Israelites, and they take this young girl captive. She is ripped from her country, ripped from her family. She is oppressed. Now, she's fortunate, if you will, because she gets to be a servant to the commander of the army. So she probably fares better than a lot of people, and yet she is still this oppressed foreigner. And this is what's so fascinating to me. The sermon title today is Friends in Low Places. Um, I'm not going to sing that today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Trust me, you don't want me to do that. But the first friend that Naaman has in a low place, if you will, is this foreign servant girl. And what's amazing is she would have had every right to be angry and bitter, and yet she has something because she has compassion for Naaman. The guy that destroyed her village. She has compassion. Why? I don't know. I think it because she knows the Lord. I think she knows the Lord. I think she knows the goodness of the one true God. She knows. She's heard about Elisha. She's heard about this wild prophet who's doing these amazing miracles. And she has enough compassion for this enemy of hers that she says, she, she, and she has the courage to say to her mistress, 
you know, I wish that she, he could go see Elisha. He, he could heal him. And so Naaman listens to the word of a foreigner that he whooped their country. Then he has to humble himself next. When? He's got to go to his own king, his commander-in-chief. He's got to go before the king, and even though they have a great relationship, Naaman is his right-hand guy, awesome dude, but he's got to go, and does the, does the king know? He's got to tell him, I've got some news. I've got leprosy. That's embarrassing. Naaman humbles himself, and he's honest with his king, and he has to ask for help. I need, could you write a letter? You remember that country we just defeated? Could you write a letter to their king and let me go back and ask for help? This is politically crazy. So the king, but the king loves Naaman, and that's obvious, because he gives him all this wealth and bling and ten outfits from uh, uh, Dolce and Gabbana or some Versace, sends with some, some fancy clothes and wealth and loads him down and gives him a letter, stamp from the king to the king of Israel saying, I hear that y'all can heal leprosy, would you heal him? And that's why the king is like shaking in his boots, the king of Israel, because he gets the letter, but he's got to humble himself now. He's this foreigner, Naaman's this foreigner who's just defeated them in, in battle, that he's got to go before him and say, hi, um, I need help. That's humbling. Would you agree? So he humbles himself. He humbles himself. He humbles himself. Goes for the king. And then the king tears his robes because he's thinking, I'm about to get beat again. <laughs> I'm about to, these guys are going to go to war with me again. They're asking me to cure leprosy? I don't know how to do that. So he tears his robes. Naaman's thinking, this is not going well. This is not going well at all. He's ripping his garments. Not good. But then out in the country, Elisha, this strange, wild, you know, man of God gets word. It takes time for him to get word from the capital that the king's upset. King tore his robes. Elisha sends back word. Send him to me. Don't worry. Send him to me. I can heal him. So now Naaman has to humble himself again. He's got to travel out to the country, to Samaria, to the outskirts of the country. And he's got to visit the house of this prophet. Just I imagine the house is not nice. He's a prophet. You know, just a humble dwelling. Naaman just went to the palace, got turned down. Now he's, can you imagine him with his entourage and his chariots and horses and gold? Ding, 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 ding. You know, traveling up to this house of this prophet that's run down. And he has to walk up to the door and he knocks on the door of Elisha's house. And this is, whoa, I love this part. Who comes to the door? Not Elisha. I keep wanting to say Alicia because I'm friends with Alicia Plaxico and it's spelled the same. I almost say Alicia every time now. Sorry. He cut, not Elisha. Elisha does not come to the door. Who comes to the door? His servant. Is Naaman invited in? No. One writer that I've read on this, he, it's so good. He says, Naaman comes to the door, he knocks on the door, Elisha sends his servant, he says, Elisha is in his lazy boy watching football, and he tells his servant to go to the door. <laughs> sorry to bring up football, Georgia people, I know y'all have had a rough week, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, alright, it's been a rough week for Georgia sports, has it not, it's just been terrible. Alright, so, Elisha is sitting there in his chair, can't be bothered to get up to meet Naaman. And that's when Naaman has had what we like to call enough. 
Have you ever had enough? Y'all are all calm, patient people. Anyone can lose their temper like this guy, me? Yeah, I can have enough. I'm a very patient guy, but when I've had enough, I've had enough. You ever been there, you're getting bad customer service, and then you're putting up with it and putting it up, and then finally you're like, that's it? Well, I've had enough. We're, and then you regret whatever happens after that later, right? You know, And that's what happens now. I love it. It's in the Bible. Naaman has enough, and he throws a little bit of a fit. And I get it, because think about it. If you've got cancer, serious cancer, and you're going from doctor to doctor to hospital to hospital, and this is supposed to work, and what about this, and what about this, and you're tired, and you're trying to hang in there. Naaman has humbled himself, and humbled himself, and humbled himself, and he's asking for help, and he's doing what he's supposed to do, and then finally he's, the, the, his servant comes and says, go bathe what? In the Jordan River? And I know a lot of us have like, oh, the Jordan River. Oh, Jordan River. Because yeah, it's in our songs, and we think Jesus, you know, Jesus was baptized there, so it's holy for us. For Assyrian, however, the Jordan River is a muddy creek. It's not even that great. I'm sorry, Jesus. I, I'm sorry, it, you know, if you're a fan of the Jordan River, I'm sorry. It is just very ordinary. And he, I've got to do what? I've got to go bathe how many times? Seven times in some gross, muddy Israelite river. And he has a fit. What? I thought he would at least come out of the house and wave his arm around and say a prayer and call Yahweh and heal my leprosy. I mean, I, and then he's just erratic. Aren't there better rivers in Syria? You know, the far part is a better river than, and he just storms off. Have you ever been there? I, I love this guy. I hope you have somebody like this in your life. I have people like this in my life. Naaman has one of his servants who is able to speak to Naaman when Naaman when Naaman is upset. Don't you love that person that knows how to talk to the boss when the boss is crazy? Can you go? You're really good at it. <laughs> Can you? You know what I mean? Like, isn't it great when there's a lot of you, when you have multiple kids in a the family, there's one kid that can, you go ask dad. No, 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 you, you, he says yes to you. You know, like, I hope you have somebody in your life because this servant, what does he do? He's able to talk to Naaman when Naaman understandably, is done. And this servant comes up to him and he's able to, he doesn't shame him because he's already ashamed. He appeals to Naaman's strength. He appeals to his rationality. He appeals to his honor. What does he say? Oh, you know, commander, sir, why if he'd asked you to do some great thing like conquer another country, I mean you would have gone and done that, right? Yeah, of course I would do. I'd do anything to get rid of this leprosy. Well then why won't you do this small thing? And he's able to get through to Naaman. But then I do believe Naaman has his moment. Even though he's got these friends and that's his another friend in low place. He had a servant from Israel and he's got his own servant who were speaking to him and helping him. But at the end of the day, at some point in the depth of his soul, in the quietness of his, his own heart, Naaman says, okay. And he submits. And I bet once he started walking towards the Jordan, or riding towards the Jordan, he already started to feel a little bit better. And when I was a kid, I loved this story, because you know they tell it in Bible school, he went in there one time, but he came out, still had leprosy. 
Went in there two times. But think about this. If you're having to go in the water, bathe, come out, don't you know at some point Naaman's going, this is crazy. This is not going to work. I am an idiot. I am, I am bathing in muddy water. This is not going to work. And in Syria, they are never going to stop laughing at me. Did you hear about Naaman? He went and bathed in a creek. He went and bathed in a creek. Can you believe it? He's got leprosy and he went and bathed. Like, I, and you know he's embarrassed. He's just ashamed. He's got to be filled with embarrassment and shame, and this is not going to work. And he goes in there the seventh time, and I love the writer says he walks out, and his skin was like a baby boy. And then when he goes home, people are going to go, Naaman, you look terrific. Did you have some work done? Woo, you look good, man. Looking, you, can look, you look 10 years younger, right? Naaman is looking good. And we're going to look more because there's the rest of the story, and it will blow your mind. But for today, this is what I want us to just circle around. In fact, I wrote it down because I want to make sure I say this right. Suffering can either make you willing to listen and ask for help, or it can cause you to lean into pride and stubbornness and become hard. And we all get there. When I was living in Augusta, Georgia, early in my recovery, I was going to AA meetings. And I love AA. We just share. Most AA meetings, you share your experience, strength, and hope. We don't tell other people what to do. We just say what worked for us because no alcoholic likes to be told anything. Like, don't tell me what to do. But Well, you know, here's what worked for me. And it works. All right, so listen, listen. And I'm the guy, I love these meetings, and I would get so much out of them. But I was in a place where mentally and emotionally, I was really struggling. I was not okay. I was struggling with something, and I couldn't figure out what I needed to do. And I had a friend say, Tom, you know, when I go to a meeting sometimes, I'll just sort of close my eyes, and I'll listen to everybody share, and I'll just, like, let, just kind of listen like God is going to speak through somebody in this meeting, and I'm going to listen for that one sentence or that one thing that I know God wants to say. Sometimes y'all have this happen in Sunday school probably if you have a discussion and somebody says something like, man, that's what I need to hear today. Well, there was this one guy in the meeting and I love everybody and I try to love everybody but there was this one guy in this meeting who, y'all, he drove me crazy. I could not stand him. Like, every time he would share, I would just go, he was like human sandpaper to me. God put him on this earth specifically to annoy me. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm usually not this way. Like, usually I find, I, I just see the best in everybody. That's just how I'm wired up. But this guy got all the way under my skin. I mean, I would just, every time he would share, I'm like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. Yeah, I, I mean, and the way he talked and the way he looked and everything about him, I just could not stand him. In Jesus' name. All right, so, and then... <laughs> And so then, like, I'm just being honest. Like, I feel bad. And I felt bad about it. Like, I would talk to people, and they would go, yeah, I don't know what. You need to pray for them or whatever. Well, then that day, I was just, I was at this place where I was hurting. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was frustrated with my life. I'm sitting in this meeting, you know, and, and, I'm, and I said, I'm going to do it. I closed my eyes, and I went to that meditation place, and I just was listening, just listening. And I was kind of just taking it in. And then I heard this, exactly what I needed to hear, like they talked about. Somebody said something, and it was like, 
I didn't want to hear it, but I knew I needed to hear it, and I knew it was exactly what I was struggling with and exactly why I was struggling, and I knew what I needed to do, and I felt better. And then I realized who was talking. Guess who? The annoying guy. And I was as shocked as anybody. I I can't believe that I just heard from God through that guy. And after the meeting, I talked to my, my sponsor, my AA sponsor. I went up to him. I said, man, you won't believe this. You know that guy? And he was like, oh, yeah, he gets on my nerves too, you know. And I was like, I, just, I, I did the thing. I was listening for God to speak through somebody, and he did, and it was him. He's like, yeah, you know, I really, the truth is, he, you may not know this, but he's been coming around here a while, and years ago he was in a terrible accident. That's why he's kind of disabled and talks funny, and that's part of why he's so annoying. But he actually, he was drunk, he had this wreck, and he killed somebody else in the other car. Went to prison, got out, has been coming to AA, and he says, you know, I admire him because if I did that, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know if I'd end it all, I don't know if I'd just keep drinking, but, and I was like, oh my word. And that's a painful, terrible story, but it made me see, I was in the better than box, you know what I'm, I mean, I was. I, I was looking down on this guy. And so here's what I want to say to you. If you are in pain or suffering, and someday you will be one way or another, it is coming for us all. When you are in a rough place, you have got to be willing to listen to anybody. And if you're thinking you're better than somebody, you may miss the, the way that God wants to heal you. Naaman was willing to listen to a foreign servant. He was willing to listen to reason coming from one of his underlings, and it saved his life. And you have got to get so willing to listen to God, even if God is speaking to you through somebody you despise. This week I was talking to my buddy Matt Hearn. Matt Hearn is a pastor of Gateway Church in Pooler, Georgia. Really great church, really fantastic church. Matt, it's got terrible cancer. And uh, I was down, I, I lived two miles from Pooler for six years before we moved to Byron. And Matt, he got a terrible tumor in his belly more than a year ago. Went through chemo, had to go on medical leave. Got, got better for now. Back in the pulpit, came back to church. Then he got brain cancer. It was supposed to kill him. They were able to remove the tumor. And again, really fortunate, really fortunate. But this week I was talking to him because he's got another tumor. Got cancer again, again in his abdomen. And it's a blow, you know, it's a blow. But I was telling him how grateful I am. Oh, and he's going on more chemo. And I mean, it doesn't, we don't know how it's going to go. And he's my age, got young kids. Um, wonderful man, wonderful family. He's been writing throughout his cancer. He's been writing just kind of every day. He'll read some scripture and then he'll just write out some thoughts and post it on Facebook. And it's been really encouraging to me, like a ton. Like I read his stuff and I'm like, man, Matt is, like I'm not happy for what he's going through, but man, he is, he is close to God. He is really speaking. And so I called him this week and we were talking and and I said, you know, I'm so sorry that you're going through this again. He's going to have to go on medical leave again. And he said, um, you know, Tom, I've been, I told him, I said, Matt, 
thank you for posting on Facebook. I hate to admit this, but there's days that I'm not where I need to be spiritually, and then I read your post, and you nail me between the eyes. And I just am like, I, I thank you for taking the time to put it out there. And he said, Tom, I don't know if you've heard this, but I shared at a, a, church, a conference meeting that I'm, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it, and I'm going to write a book, you know, and I'm going to take a lot of what I've written and add to it, and I'm going to write a book about suffering. I said, man, that's awesome. I, I, I can't wait to read it. And he said, you know, in, the, in James it says, consider it all joy when you endure suffering and trials of, of many kinds. And he says, Tom, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't understand how to do that. You know, I feel joy when I think about my wife walking down the aisle. I feel joy when I, my kid's getting ready for homecoming, you know. I don't have any joy with these tumors. You know, I don't, chemo does not bring me joy. I don't know how to do this. And he said to me, but I tell you what, I've been reading in the book of Acts. And when the disciples, when, when Jesus cut them loose, went to heaven, gave them the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you remember this, they went and, and they were told, you cannot talk about Jesus. And they said, look, we can't stop talking about Jesus. He saved our lives. And then they flogged the disciples. You know, the political, uh, religious rulers, they, they flogged the disciples, which I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like fun. They beat them terribly. And then the disciples, it says, they left there rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Jesus. I don't know where that comes from, but it says later, people would look at the disciples and you could see that they had been with the Lord. And he says, Tom, I'll tell you this. What I'm going through, it's forced me to be with the Lord. I wrote this down because I want to be able to read this right. If I can find it. You and I have got to humble ourselves and submit to God. And then do whatever actions are indicated. Because the healing that you seek, maybe for your body, but also for your mind and your heart, the healing that you seek, the sustaining that you need in your difficulties, can only come from God. It cannot come from other people or from yourself. God will use other people, friends in low places, to speak to you. For sure. But at the end of the day, in suffering, you and I must listen to God and we must submit to whatever God asks us to do. And then we've got to take those actions no matter what they are. And I know that we're over. It's 12.05. But what I want us to do today is I want us to stay seated for our closing hymn. And then after the closing hymn, we're going to sing Breathe On Me, Breath of God. And after we sing, I just want us to sit quietly for a minute or two and listen. And just have some space to allow God to speak to our hearts what God may want to say. Now, God may tell you, you need to get up from here and go bathe in the Okmulgee River seven times. But I doubt it, right? I highly doubt that that's the explicit instruction that you or I will get today. You might get told that. You might get told that you need to get honest about what's going on in your life with a trusted friend. It may be that God is going to speak to you 
that it's finally time for you to choose to forgive somebody. It might be that God speaks to your heart that it's time for you to go ahead and admit your faults and ask for forgiveness. It might be that God speaks to your heart and says it's time for you to get unstuck and start taking on some action on what God is calling you to do. But you must listen. I don't know what your Jordan River bath is going to look like, but I know God's got something for you and I to do. So let's um, sing. The musicians are ready. Let's, let's sing uh, Breathe On Me, Breath of God. And I just want you to sit, and for me it's helpful. I put my hands on my lap, palms up, just as a posture of receiving from the Lord.